Oh, there we go. Hello. Hi, Gary. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. All right. It's uh, a real pleasure to meet you, uh, eventually. Oh, well, you as well. Uh, I've enjoyed your books over the years. Well, I think we share a um, uh, passion for, what would you call it, the esoteric traditions, perhaps, is, a, is as good a way in as any. Yes. And I, I actually heard, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was a particular interview you gave or something, and I remember being struck by... Um, how you what you were thinking and it made me feel like i really enjoy connecting with you and just uh finding out a little bit more about what you've been exploring all these years well, i wish you, i wish you could remember which interview it was so i, I could remember I, what i said i wish i could too but it was a long time ago now um but i um that that's what initiated me first getting in contact yeah. with you um but uh if um if you'll indulge me, what I, what I, I, this, this kind of series started some time ago now, um, really because I find myself probably every day, actually, um, looking around me and thinking, what the hell is this that I'm in that's happening? What, what is this thing that's happening? Right now, I mean, just just life in general, or the particular, yeah, you know, version. Of <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yes, yes. I know um, what you mean. And uh, and uh, and so I I kind of felt like I'd like to talk with people that I find interesting and have been exploring things, and just start a conversation with that. You know, like you've been doing this like me for sounds like quite a few decades. Hmm. What do you, what do you think it is we're experiencing? And, well, and, I, 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 I have less an idea of it now um, than I did when I was much younger. I thought I had more of a grasp on it and where it was all going, myself in particular. Uh, but now, uh, I don't know. I do find myself at times thinking, you know, maybe this is a simulation. <laughs> I don't know. I do sometimes thinking, uh, find myself thinking, um, you know, perhaps we might take more literally the, these notions of um, some other world or, or some, something like that, the notion, the Gnostic notion of the being false world or something like that. And uh, no, it's, it's, it's just, it's just the sheer, well, I'll say the other day I was thinking, came to me, you can, we can't apply the notion of probability to existence. Sorry, I'm going a little abstract here. No, no, it, say that again. You said we can or we can't. That we cannot. We can't apply the notion of the universe existence is neither probable nor improbable because any ideas we have of probability come from existence itself. Gotcha. So we're accepting the very thing that we're we're questioning the probability of. So we you know we can't we can't do that. I mean, so uh, even the idea, like you know, because it does strike me as like of all the strangest strangest things that could possibly happen would be to some some immense you know complex world uh, that we find ourselves in. And we have no idea. No one has any idea. There's been some good guesses or good stories about it down the line that have served purpose over time at different times. There's been some some rather bad ones too. Uh, some stories, but I guess that's that's the sort of thing. It's like the the story or the narrative, which is sort of the word everyone uses these days. Um, sounds a bit more intellectual or something. Um, <laughs> the narrative rather than the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, so, so it's made you know, up. And, and I guess that, in one sense, that's it's kind of the postmodern condition. And I guess we're post post everything at this point. But you know, all the grand narratives no longer 
hold up. But you know, just just in that sense, just like you say, you know, you you if we can take existence just immediately as it happens to us, and most of the time we do that, we're caught up in it. But we do get these reflective moments when we think, well, what actually is going on here? And again, I you know, I'm I'm we're both older, uh, um, and um, when you're younger, you have that forward drive of just growth and growing and your your own progress. So that that gives everything else around you a particular story and narrative, you know. But then um, I guess after you hit the second part of life, or Jung talks about that, too, you know, where you, you've achieved all those goals. Um, so you don't just have that force of life itself driving you. You you start to ask if you're a reflective individual, like, okay, well, what what now? as it were. And that's traditionally when you're supposed to, or you have the time or the inclination to uh, look inward in some way. I think my... Uh, sorry, go on. No, 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 I was going to say, so that, that that's where, even though I've been writing about this for, for years now and all that, I, I, I find it more more immediately pressing on me to my, my, own, my own condition, my own no longer oh this is a philosophy of life or this is what this person thought or that person thought and how does that all come together it's like ah well actually here i'm I'm in the position now where i act i, I do have to uh somehow make real that 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 notion of you know you're you're um because you're no longer being pushed just by just by sheer life itself um uh, and growing and all that, you are faced with those sort of existential questions. I mean, the very ones I started out with ages ago, when I first got interested in this sort of thing, but they they come back now with with somehow a, a greater concreteness. I would say, perhaps death is that because you know? I, I guess that's it. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the the end of whatever the narrative is, that's that's usually the end of it. At least, yeah. The, but it seems this to be phase. a general agreement. That yeah, yes, this phase we know. <laughs> Although if the trans, if the transhumanists are or onto something maybe you know maybe that might maybe be. but probably probably not in time for us i'm guessing yeah i would think yeah we're not uh most likely i'm not going to visit another planet you know uh physically you know during my lifetime so i, I could i i you know, unsurprisingly i suspect i resonate with what you said i mean i there's a foundation in just how mysterious it is for me which is being so deep now it never goes and and also that need to or desire maybe more than need actually to look for the best narrative the best story mm, the best mm, understanding mm. and like you i mean the bit that you said at the end there really got me because it is interesting i think when when people when i talk to people about philosophy sometimes i can see they think it's abstract and it just feels like it's not abstract at all. It's about <laughs> this and, and yeah. death and suffering and relationships and everything you do. And, and I have this sense that I'm always living in sub, a sort of narrative, e even when I'm just doing my day-to-day -day things, which obviously is most of the time, mm. there's a kind of narrow narrative, which I, and it's unquestioned, I just do it. And, and then those moments you said of reflection, which I'm very lucky, I get plenty of those moments, is when I can step back and go, that's it's a bit like looking up in the night sky isn't it you know you you hmm. live on this level looking at all the buildings and then you go whoa that's infinite uh, okay that's 100 billion galaxies uh and then back to the this is my bedroom and uh, that's 100 hmm. billion galaxies that movement and trying to uh to to that's where those questions become real and and hmm. 
you the bit that you said that I wanted to get you to say, you said about I need to make it real or something like that. There was something something about. Well, I mean, uh, how should we say it? That the uh, not not to, to said that to give emphasis uh, to this feeling I have that they're they're they're. Actually, say it's not as if it's always been abstract, but um, through a variety of different things in my own life, um, different changes in you know relationships ending, then COVID hitting, and then a variety of other things. There was a lot of movement and 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 sort of um, stress and so on and so on, and then all that kind of my own life sort of dissipated. It, it changed. It was no longer there, and I found myself ah. And out and out of that, I arrive at them. Six, I turned sixty-seven, uh, you know, at the end of the last year, and sort of, you know, that hit me. Um, and then my life changing in 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 in, in, a, in a very radical way. Because basically, many things that I was dealing with were no longer there. Um, and so I found myself less of a problem of how do I deal with all this stuff. It's like, oh, what do I do now? Right. Kind of thing. Because then. A lot of the things I was talking about were also uh, involved in this sense of sort of forward movement I was having, and I career about career too, writing another book and trying to get ideas across and things of that sort. And then I guess after all those things, uh, it did seem like one day waking up and saying, "Oh God, I, I don't have to do all this stuff. I don't feel pressing. So what do I do now?" And it was a kind of not so much reinventing, but well. Colin Wilson, who's a writer who's um, very influential in my own work, um, in one of his early books, he he talks about um, the problem of freedom. And he calls the par the paradoxical nature of freedom uh, as, as when it's threatened, uh, we know exactly what it is and and why we want it and why it's important, and we'll do everything we can to get it back and all that. But then once we have it, invariably against our best wishes, we we slip into this taking it for granted. Yeah state of mind and it becomes a burden in a way you know i mean time is either something you don't have enough of or you have to kill it rarely <laughs> is something that you know, it's either feast it's feast or famine uh in a certain way but you do hit those some those moments those reflective moments looking up at the sky or whatever a puddle raindrops hitting it where it, it evens out and you're in the moment as they say and all that and but then you that's when you do have a sense of freedom in the sense of in the sense freedom in the sense of being really alive, you know, feeling the reality of your life right, right then and there, rather than being caught up in all the things that keep you going. Um, and another thing Wilson talks about is he says the problem is what we have to face is that we're very good when we have challenges, when we have something to face. We 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 pull ourselves together. We're we're, we're we could be immensely resourceful and purposive and full of vitality. But the real challenge is the challenge of no challenge. When we don't have an immediate sort of crisis or challenge or something facing us, when we have to somehow generate the same sense of purpose um, and focus that we, it happens when we have the, the crisis, it, it, it sort of snaps us into that. We have to somehow consciously, in some way, uh, use the imagination in order to do that in some way. Not necessarily create, fantasize a crisis, but bring, <laughs> draw, draw, on, draw on... Well, no, he would say, like some, yeah, some yeah, of us yeah. psychologically, we do it ourselves. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, I suspect I'm probably prone to that in some way. 
Okay. I somehow generate it. And I liked, okay, okay, I got the message. Let me figure out a way to do that without generating the crisis anymore. Yeah. But it's being able to draw on the reserves that the crisis, you know, uh, compels you to awaken without actually having that. So with this, so this is the thing. So I, I'm finding myself now, and this is the existential, again, this is another cliche we hear all the time, existential crisis. I just want to help the newscasters when they say that, you know, there's, uh, you know, uh, yes, where he, he was faced with a uh, massively iconic, perfect storm of existential crises. You know, it's, 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 this is another thing. But it's just, it is an existential crisis. It's what Tolstoy wrote about in The Death of Ivan, uh, uh, the, the last, uh, one of his last stories, uh, Ivan Illich, where this very successful landowner in Russia just wakes up one morning or one middle of the night and realizes he doesn't have any idea what his life's been about. Yeah, and buying another plot of land isn't going to do it anymore. So, so uh, uh, when you were talking about um, Colin, I had the I, mm. I met him, I had tea with him once, and um, it, what uh, the book he, the book the book of his I think that really made a big impact on me, probably not altogether positively, was The Outsider when I was very young, and um, probably encouraged me to live on the outside more than I probably might have been good for me, but the what was what I remembered, and it was it seemed resonant with what you were saying, was him talking about deliberately trying to enter peak experiences, mm. and how he would sit and, and how irritated he got with his wife, I think it was, who would come in with tea, and he'd go, "No, I'm just about to get into a peak experience." <laughs> and he was focusing, and, and and it was very funny and very endearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have that with your? I'm just I'm wondering. In I really got what you're saying, and I'm. Um, I'm wondering, with all of the your background in esoteric spirituality and all of that, does that impact into all of that for you? Do you do you find yourself like you know, looking to change your state and to like, oh yeah, sort of well, no, yes, 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 and yes, and you know, uh, I, well, throughout the years, I've followed different practices or disciplines. Some some more, you know. Um, rigorously than others and all that and uh but in uh yeah in general um i guess it it is a kind of should i say it using the imagination in in order to rather than induce a crisis or is oh you know uh, uh you know you uh, the, wilson talks about graham green you know being this bored teenager and um, he was reading about Russian soldiers playing Russian roulette, and he discovers that his brother has a revolver in, in the cupboard, and he takes the revolver, puts one bullet in it, spins the chamber, goes out to Berkhamstead Common, and plays Russian roulette. So he was so bored to tears and so depressed that you know the, the idea of blowing his brains out was was you know appealing, uh, a kick. And then when he hit the empty chamber, um, he suddenly. A whole sense of depression and and meaninglessness vanished, and the world was just over overflowing with this terrific sense of possibilities and potentials. So, uh, what Wilson says is like that. That's that that made you know putting a gun to his head made Green Green do this, uh, and it's that act that somehow that focus that concentration that can he figured out. There's different people as well. Like Sartre, Sartre said he never felt as free as when he was 
in danger of being arrested by the Gestapo, you know, during the resistance and something like that. So you would think it's the exact opposite, but yeah. Oh, yeah. so it's that sense you puts you in a heightened, and it's the same sort of thing I say as most spiritual dis disciplines want to do in some way, and and to, it's to focus, to focus the mind, you know, make yeah. the mind straight. Yeah, uh, like the Fletcher makes his blade, you know. So and so so in some way to 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 bring that to bear in times when I'm feeling like I'm I'm drunk in boredom or I'm I'm um, feeling a kind of mild kind of you know world rejection or something like that uh it's to sort of uh in a way snap myself out of it and 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 but it's more of a focus of remembering it's remembering this it's re it's remembering ah okay if you believe in what you've been writing about all these years and what you've been reading all these years this is what's happening this picture that you you have of things being you know whatever it might be depressing and boring or something um that's more a reflection of your own mental state than, than than anything else um so it's it's kind of having moments like that or focusing and when i can get away from you know and i should talk i've got a lot of freedom but i i, I keep active i keep busy you know if, you know the life of the freelance writer is not you know sitting around with a panama hat and and you know drinking a gin and tonic you have to keep working all the time so but when i do have those moments remembering in those moments to sort of even put more more into it so it's a kind of remembering of putting more of myself into what you know what i'm doing at the time um uh, rather than trying going about it robotically let's say as we usually do and then letting kind of negative emotions take fill the vacuum yeah yeah so how does that I, i'm a bit I, I want i feel to ask you this i don't want to derail us from where we were but mm. I'll, I'll do it um I'm very intrigued by your, I think it's still your latest book, isn't it? On the nature of precognition pre and mm. dreaming, which is not something I've had. My wife has it. I don't have it. Oh, um, right. um, and so how does all that fit for you when you're, it's like, if you're in, in your looking at life and time and what, 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 where have you ended? Well, that's the other thing I have to, I have to remember that. I think, you know, you have to remember like you've, you've, you've had all these experiences. So, I mean, but I, I think the thing is like, what, but I don't know about you. I think, you know, invariably I, I tend to drift into a kind of, uh, still dealing with things. And you're saying, what is this? And it's like, what is this? Like, what is life in the first place? It's like, what, how could this, how could we possibly exist here and not have the slightest idea why we do or why anything does? You know how could that be the case and then the way things are particularly right now <laughs> it's a bit um dicey and and so on and so on uh but then i have to remind myself like okay that's true but you've had these dreams of the future and you know for a fact that that's the case unless you've been completely deluded so i have to again it's remembering i know intellectually that the kind of materialist you know, view of the world and and the the, the strict you know se se temporal sequential of you know past, present, future, and all that is very handy, very helpful. I wouldn't we, we can't do without it, but it's not the only one. So I have to sort of remind myself of the of the, the miraculous, as it were. And you're talking about that book, yeah. That's that that I would constitute as that as another practice. I I uh, I have the great luxury of being able to linger in the morning. Um, if I wake up very early, I'll I'll try to sink back into a half dream state, and I'll try to be aware of you know 
what's happening, what's coming up and all, and all that. And, uh, and I, I copy my dreams down and I've been writing my dreams down off and on for more than 40 years now. And certainly since I uh, wrote the book during the first lockdown here, um, I've been writing them down all the time. Um, so that's another sort of practice, you know, um, and trying to, I mean, forget about deciphering the dreams themselves. I think individually, we're usually the worst person possible to understand what our dreams are because they're what we're not conscious of. You know, we're, you know, we're, this, this is what we don't know. So, so, so you, you don't decipher your own dreams or you do? Well, I, 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 I'm saying I, I, it's not, the, I try not to do it as soon as it happens, unless it's something that's just slapped you in the face and it's like unavoidable right. you know because some dreams are like that you know some are very much they're very very straightforward you can be too clever sometimes like archetype hunting or something like that sometimes it's just it's just very simple don't do that message yeah. <laughs> um but other times they're they're not quite like that so what i do is over time i write them down and then i'll, I'll read them back right i've i've I recently did that read back the last couple months you know worth worth the dreams um but it's also just you know just ling being able to linger in that in between state the yeah. hypnagogic for a while and uh, it's it's it is quite strange because it is it's it's almost as if you 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 can go off in different currents in it but that's the how i've been feeling it lately because i i like i try to sink back into some state where i can get picked up something chew up and takes you along I love that. Yes, that, that that's how I feel. It's kind of like yeah, waiting, yeah, 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 and then yeah. ooh, the current grabs you, and then you can go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and, and there's there's a remarkable sense of of freedom and relaxation, and but also it's a completely different flavor. It's a different taste of consciousness in that way. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, what, staying with that as long as I can, and then so so that's another sort of practice I do. But I mean, that's I have to remind myself because the dreams are real. There is real experience as as any other experience you have you know you yeah. have to, you're phenomenologically like that and there's a wonderful quote by jb Priestley, who i write about in, in um, my book is dreaming ahead of time it's the name of the book peace Priestley coined this phrase the time haunted man uh he was a time haunted man and so it was jw dunn who wrote experiment with time it's one of the oh, early books was, about yeah yeah future yeah, dreams classic. and yeah yeah uspensky and and some others yeah. yeah um but he says you know um the most the most powerful experience he's ever had in, in in his life came in a dream and he said he has less ev evidence for it than he does for you know a broken nail or a or a, a, a cough or something so it, it's like un, un, unless there is some universal observer who has who's who is privy to our dreams you know and unless you've had that strange experience of shared dreaming which i, I have had in the past yep um the dreams are very much yours you know yeah. and you know so there it, it's it, that that itself is a very strange thing it's like oh no one else in the world will ever know mm. if i never tell anyone this no one ever, ever. So it's just a weird kind of thing to to realize that that, that, yeah, that, 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 that is the case all the it's time true. isn't it true with every yeah, thought that's you true. have that, that's true yes every yeah, image you is, have yeah, yeah exactly like, yeah yeah these are yeah so how does that how do you do so when you um when you talk about having dreams of the future um which i'm you know i'm, I'm open to that but what but mm. i'm i'm uh i reckon re i i recoil in the face of any form of determinism or or predeterminism and i wondered how you mm. uh, well that's a good question 
I mean, so look, ninety-nine percent of precognitive dreams are about rather trivial, insignificant things, we might say. Although, of course, with the caveat of saying, well, nothing's insignificant in the dream and nothing's trivial in the dream. I, I understand that. But if you just take them at face value, the ones we hear about are the two Ds, I say. It's the uh, uh, disaster dreams, like the Aberfan, you know, um, or in, in the 60s with the, the cold slip and all of that. And people dreamt of it beforehand in this, you know, newspapers and psychologists, you know, discovered this and all that. Or the somebody wins the Derby, you know, so that's the other D. So you hear about those. The ones you don't hear about are these ones that are about usually nothing in particular, and they wouldn't stand out in any way unless they were cognitive. And this is the case. I mean, um, my own experience has been like that. And then when I was doing all the research and, you know, reading old books about it and different accounts of it, going back as far back as Catherine Crow, uh's book, The Night Side of Nature, in like the mid, you know, that was 19th century. Uh, she right. she predates, she, oh, you know her, oh, Night Side of Nature, Catherine Crow, oh. she predated um, Myers and Gurney and all right. Uh, the you know Society for Psychical Research and and all of that, and it's a fantastic book. And it's she was reading a lot of the German, they called the German philosophers at the time, and these were the, the sort of the the natur um, uh, philosophers who were writing about um, what we would call the occult or the paranormal or ghosts or apparitions and you know the premonitions and things of that sort. But even she, she remarked that most accounts uh, of these are usually about rather insignificant kind of events. Um, and they tend to, ha when they tend to happen to people, they tend to happen fairly frequently, which has been the case in my life. And it's always been, I never wake up thinking, oh my God, I have to, I have to call my friend and tell him not to take that flight. Right. Or I should put 50 quid on, you know, tea biscuit or whatever. It's, I don't know until later that day or the next day, or sometimes in some cases it, it's it's a few years um, that it's it's been a glimpse of the future, and um, so it, it's sort of you don't know when it until later on. So it's as if it's a film because we get into the predestination and all that. It's sort of our life's a film, and at, at certain points, some of the scenes ahead of the film jump jump the queue and you get them in advance um but again Priestley, who uh, had a few of these dreams and and uh wrote that wonderful book man in time in the early 60s uh that was sort of like jung's oh, kind of man in a sim oh it's a it's, a, it's one of these great it's one of these great books that came out sort of in the 60s into the early 70s that were not by academics but by learned you know all around uh, just writers who are in, in, interested in ideas and things of that sort. So it's a history of our relationship with time. Right. Uh, going back to the early, you know, uh, water clocks and things of that, that sort. But he also talks about his own experiences with, with time. And, you know, he wrote the, all these plays about uh, deja vu and re recurrence, time in the Conways and, yeah. and inspector calls and things of that sort. Um, but he tells a story about uh, a woman who um, had a dream that she was camping uh, with some friends and she had to wash something. So she took, uh, she had a baby with her as well. So she took the baby and what she needed to wash down to the stream. And when she got there, she realized she'd forgotten the soap. This is all in the dream. 
So um, she put the baby down, thinking it would be safe. She's only being gone, you know, two seconds. Uh, and she went to get the soap, and she came back. The baby had rolled over and had fallen into the stream and drowned. Then, I don't know what the time lag was, but subsequently she was camping, and she did have to wash something, and she did have the baby. And as she was going to go, she remembered the dream, so she took the soap with her. So the baby didn't fall into the river and all that. So you might say, well, it, it's not a precognitive dream then, but I, my criteria for a precognitive dream are less strict than a, a baby drowning to have to make it true. But she was able to change the future. Yeah. Because yeah. she had it. So, so, so it's, I would say yeah. it's not as if it's only yeah. one way or yeah. the other. And some futures, maybe we want them to happen. So, you know, you know what I mean? You know, maybe that, maybe, maybe us somehow, it's not, it's not a future event that we should somehow want to change. Maybe it's one that, we want to happen too. So I, I think it, it, it's helpful if we get away from the either or kind of aspect of it. You know, either we have free will or it's predestined. There's some overlap. Uh, I, that makes sense to me. And I, 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 this might be too big to launch into. I'll have a go. I'll, I'll, it may, I may not make much sense because um, it, it, my last book is 10 years ago now. Um, uh, soul story and ever since then I've been working on enlarging the philosophy that I started there and it's turned out to be a much bigger job than I expected and I'm still doing it but if I say it incredibly quickly well I could tell you what I'll, t I'll pick up the thing that you started our conversation with which is going you know maybe it is a um, simulation I don't, I don't think it is a simulation um, I don't really know what that means but I do think treating it like an, a AI system or a, an autodidactic AI system, a self-learning AI system, I think is quite a good metaphor, the latest one we've got and pretty good, without confusing the metaphor with reality, of course. And one of the things that I have been playing with is whether it's possible to articulate a, a different form of spirituality in, in a sense, which I think of as emergent, where reality is conceived of you know i'm experiencing this moment as this flow of change in which the next moment builds on the past the next moment builds on the past and that whether that's possible to go well that's what this is that process of becoming and we currently think it's 14 billion years old and it started with the simplest things you can imagine and it's been becoming richer and richer and richer and richer and richer as more and more information has accumulated as it were so the past is accumulating and informing what happens in the present and what I started, I've been playing with is whether the domain of the psyche or the soul that the that I've been exploring all my life um, is actually the most emergent level of that whole process. So once it's reached at biology, the psyche will emerge, but not just as a byproduct of something, but as a whole domain in its own right, so that it's made of imaginal information which is why whenever i go into it it's all images taken from the sensory world but they have a life of their own now and there's a domain which i'm in right now which this one it seems to be held together by physical causation but this one is held together by meaning narrative meaning and that the domain that i step into in meditation or in 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 um taking ayahuasca or dreams or all of that stuff is that domain and like you said it's real this is very real and also collective and you can go beyond your own personal little bubble and experience these these wider things and my mm. hypothesis would be 
that's what the, that's what death is that death is the is the continuation of that without this and mm. and but the 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 bit i particularly wanted to bring up here around the, the idea of dreaming and time is that when i think of it like that what i tried to articulate was like with an ai system if you had well, like, like, like with a computer game, it's kind of a crass comparison, but it, if you said, well, look, there's a narrative, it's a, it, what starts as ones and zeros has ended up as a story, which mm. you interact with, you'd get that. And they're all real. Uh, but the story element is, a fact, is affecting what's happening just as much as the, as the other elements. It's all interacting. Mm. And that therefore reality has actually become a story, as it were. It's emerged onto this level and the fact is that on the physical causal level, I can predict the future all the time. I'd be in real trouble if I couldn't. I'm not always right, but if I can't predict when I throw a ball where it's going to hit, I'm not, you know, it's like there's, and I, I predicted that you'd be here at 11.30 and damn me you were, and we're having this conversation. You might not have, but I predicted it and it happened. And that there might be another level to that in which the same, there's a narrative causation to things that may be very deep in the nature of existence now, which we experience as synchronicity and the magic of life and all those things. Mm, mm. And that what you're seeing in a, pre, in a precognitive dream is, oh, you're, you're, you're given a perspective. Oh, that's where it's going. Now, it doesn't mean it will, but right now that's where it's going. Uh, with the same narrative causality that you might if you went, oh, that ball's going to hit there. Uh, there you go. It did. Like that. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, no, it could very well. It could very well. I mean, um... I mean, done. You know, who who first? I mean, the the phenomena of precognition, precognitive dreams is you know classic. It goes goes far back. But Dunn yeah. he wanted to sort of popularize it in the twenties, and he talks about three. Well, an infinite regress of different levels of time, uh, which is one of the things that for him it was important uh, for him to announced this new philosophy that he called serialism, which in the end would, um, it explained that, you know, death is exactly some form of exactly what you said. It's just the next sort of level. And while we're here now in our sequential time, what he calls time one um, of our waking life, we're basically gathering information uh, that is eventually transmitted up to a kind of universal observer at, at, at some point. Um, and uh, in time two, during the dreaming time, we're out of harness, as it were. We're in harness here. I'm looking like the horse, and we're going in one direction, and so we're in harness. But then in time two, we're out of that, and we can kind of look in the back behind us and see the past, and the past comes through very vividly in dreams sometimes, but also bits of the of the future. And uh, But it's all a bit mixed up. So that's why, unless you had an experience of a precognitive dream, or unless, like myself, you read Dunn's book and you said, okay, I'll... I'll check this out, which is exactly what I did. This was ages ago. Right. And yeah, yeah. When I lived in, in New York, it was about 1980 or so. And I was right. in, indiscriminately devouring everything about the occult and the paranormal and all the When you were a pop star. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, well, you know, sort of a satellite, a pop satellite. I, I tend to think of myself <laughs> as it's a round bunch of other stars. Uh, but um, I he just said, you know, do what I did, write your dreams down, and you'll see that you, bits of the future turn up. And it, lo and behold, that's, that's exactly what happened. So, yeah. But I paid attention to the dreams, and that's why I noticed it. So, But if you don't do that, more times than not, you won't. And you might get the funny feeling, oh, deja vu sort of feeling. 
But I have to say myself, I still get deja vu, but it's it's not the same feeling as when I know, oh, I've dreamt this. It's yeah. a, it's a there's a precognitive tingle that is different than the the because the, the deja vu, it's like, did I or didn't I or was this or was that? Because there's the, a there's the precog is like bang, I know it's it's make but yes, this I, I dreamt this. I, and there's I know a I there's a feel, feeling anyway, isn't there? Don't you do you have that of of regardless of the dream element? I'm just thinking as you're speaking. There's times when I ju you ju I just have a very strong intuition. Oh, it's going this way. Oh, yeah, sure. And and that's but that's significant, isn't it? That you have that. Mm. It's not like you're not sitting there thinking oh, it could go anyway. You just you can and those mm, those mm, mm. and those even down to the days when you just think oh everything's going my way today, and yeah, yeah. and it does. Or the I guess, or and it, one like of the things that, which got work, me yeah. late in my life, um, having been a, a kind of intellectual snob, I guess, as, as a, or as an outsider at least, and putting down sport and not having any time for it. Um, later in my life, I, I deliberately seek out things that I've rejected. So I got, I started watching football, yeah. and really took to it. And um, one of the things which has really struck me with that is how that element of synchronicity and magic and the the collective experience shows up mm, all the time yeah. and in in quite bizarre ways and you can see that 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 uh that especially when you see a player who is not only in the zone because they they happen to be performing very well that day but they're just lucky <laughs> just you know, the ball just arrives at their feet and they just knock it in you know it's like they can yeah. do no wrong it's yeah. more than just they're having a skillful day and they're well calibrated today it's like there's a whole something happening they're they're yeah. the narrative is working their way yeah no i mean that's, when i was a musician there were times like that yeah I mean, I, I've, I've, I've i've never been a sports person myself although when i was a kid i played basketball but but uh but i, I mean I know what you're saying. When I've watched uh, my sons, when they're grown now, but when they used to stay with me, they would they would watch the footy, and I'd sit and watch it with them. And then I I would see it as a pattern. It was like patterns going, yeah. you know, across the yeah. field and that that sort of thing. And um, it's a kind of dance, and you can see that. Not you know, sometimes even just if if you one of these reflective moods, sitting in like a square somewhere and people milling about, you can start to see sort of patterns kind of emerging or you know it's subjective you know perhaps you're projecting on there but still there does seem to be something that it doesn't seem to be quite as arbitrary uh and 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 just contingent but i know when i was a musician you used to get into these 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 period you know when you're just kind of playing around and then bang everything just works you know yeah and yeah. it's just one after the other and then there's a great interchange between yourself and the audience and i get something like that when i give talks now it's not yeah. quite the same thing but you get into a good rapport with the audience and and um it becomes more of a kind of performance rather than just like a talk in a lecture and you could really see in the, all those experiences or it, or it seems to me the way in which the psyche the soul is not just the little bubble which seems to be the popular mm. view at the moment around the head but actually mm. is a whole ecosystem of psyche it's a place where you can meet and connect and form and and i i was I was a musician when I was young and yeah. not as successful as you were, but the, um, I did all sorts. Um, but the experience there was the thing that drew me in was this, again, that same thing, that way in which with other musicians, you would form something more than the individual 
which mm. happens also when you run an event. I'm, I do retreats where I actually deliberately bring about that condition in people. And mm. it's, it's absolutely magical, actually. Mm. I think there's, yeah. there's more that happens in those states than probably any other for me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's when you sort of, um, I guess it's lessening the ego boundaries, uh, uh, technically in some way you know you you sort of feel a group not necessarily a group consciousness but there is a kind of a rapport or or but it, uh, even in another way it, 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 uh, you can feel it just viscerally and it's not yeah. quite the same thing but one one thing i i i i talked about in a couple of places in my books is um many years ago when there was the the anti uh uh war march here i think it was 2003 something like that or, yeah. or uh, don't don't start the war march because they hadn't yet, you start, started yet um and i went on it and yeah. um with my, my sons and their mom and other, other other folks and um we're somewhere in shaftesbury avenue or something like that and i saw behind me that you know the wave people were doing the wave sort of thing you know and i said okay when it comes up here i'm, I'm going to resist it i'm 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 not going to do it and that's this thing Whatever, for whatever reason i thought that but then i could feel it actually approaching you know and i could feel it in my body this kind of a wave sort of a current go through and i actually felt like i had to keep my arms down from doing it so there was some kind of visceral sort of flow uh, uh among the group like that and again you know we're usually in our conscious minds like you said this little light bulb uh, on in there and that's um, where you are most of the times and we're not aware of these other sorts of you know things that are around us all the time yeah uh, not, not not always a positive thing i guess though as well I, it's like a, i can see it in, it can also be a what makes a mob or a, a crowd well, exactly well exactly yeah exactly exactly it's the same it's the same sort of, uh, well this this um german swiss philosopher gene gepser um who uh, he died in the early 70s 73 but he wrote this remarkable book called the ever ever present origin yeah uh which is one of these great doorstopper works of um sort of philosophy and 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 um history and um interdisciplinary uh work in the 20th century but he talks about different structures of consciousness that have emerged over time uh from what he calls the origin because ever present it's 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 always there it's one of these things we we can find in different traditions like the sunyata or the pleroma or things of that sort but it's difficult to talk about it in any kind of straightforward way but he does talk he say that these different levels um archaic the magical the mythic the mental um we're currently in the, the mental and i've been for the last several centuries but it's we're, we're experiencing the breakdown of the mental rational structure of consciousness and uh the, you, you might think there's plenty of evidence for that uh, uh around these days but he says the other structures they don't disappear they're still they're still there they're still part of our sort of being or experience but we're 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 not in them as much as we are on the others and that magical structure he he, re, he relates to sort of the body and 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 the, the viscera and 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 a kind of um corporal un unconscious or physical unconscious and that and the sort of thing that we were just talking about that kind of group mind he was a young man he experienced the early nazi rallies in yeah uh in munich and had to and, and had to escape you know uh, from that and uh but that that's another experience of yes and, and it's a ter ter terrific 
terrific, exhilarating feeling too. Yeah, you know, you to be part of that huge crowd, it feels real. It is yes, transcendent. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly powerful feeling. And, and you can yeah. see the same thing in you know. I, I'm not as you probably guessed attracted to fundamentalist religion, but I you know you look at a fundamentalist church and you can just see people are in that. Hmm, so it's hmm. not. It's a yeah. kind of. It just feels like look, this is a natural phenomena. Yeah, a bit like a I mean, bit like that ability to the, the magic you know in the yeah, sense yeah. So I would, I would say throughout history there's 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 a dialectic or a conflict between these two those two things you know there's this we have that is a tremendously powerful feeling to to become part of this larger being than yourself and it's incredibly attractive and, and we need it. it it's a vital part of our life but at the same time that um we are individuals you know yeah we we, we, we have you know we have uh agency um, yeah. And uh, the intellect can suffer, you know, from being absorbed in that larger kind of thing. And I think there's a playoff between those those two sorts of things. I mean, Arthur Kessler ages ago talked about the whole on, you know, then it's it's part, um, you know, to something bigger than itself. It's a part than something, you know, under it. It's it's a whole. And and we and we tend to have both of those those sides of it: the self transcendent and the self assertive. And the, I think you can, you can see, you know, a kind of struggle between those those two things, I think, throughout throughout uh, our history. Yeah, and, and, and a kind of that waking up from the crowd, the fact that we've had to individualize from something collective. And when I look back in history, I'm always shocked by, by, by and large, how collective it seems and how the whole, the idea of a ideational individual, an individual has their own ideas is so, that you know, the history is obviously, they've, full of people like that, but we remember them because they're so isolated and, and mm. that's become more and more and more and more and more. And hence culture has exploded. And, yeah. and so there's that kind of waking up from some unconscious collectiveness. And then there's the waking up further into some conscious unity and they mm. feel like opposite sides of something. Mm. And one of the things which I'm, I, because I've got kind of pulled into or not pulled into, but I was kind of seen as part of, the um, non-dual thing that, that really took off 20 mm. years ago or 25 years ago. I was speaking at a lot of events there and, and wanting to co constantly emphasize the individual as the foundation from it. And I think that's partly because of my foundation in more Western esoteric ideas mm. rather than the Eastern idea, which is the eradication not always, but often the eradication of the individual, seeing through the, the illusion of separateness, all of that, rather than uh, the idea, especially in this new evolutionary picture, which I'm interested in, where the individual, the, the, the ability to self-reflect and to notice like you, oh, the, the wave's coming and I could yeah. or couldn't go with it, you know, that there's mm -hmm. even that possibility, means that then when you come into a state of unity, you're, well, the word I'm playing with at the moment for my next piece of work is a individual, an individual conscious of <laughs> unity hmm. rather than the dissolution of the individual. It's like another level of that evolution where yeah. you've realized, Oh, look, the universe is a one and I am it, but I'm hmm. at it as Tim meeting it as Gary. And that's really significant. That's not hmm. a problem or an illusion. Well, I, I think it also may be the case that as you are saying, it's an ongoing process uh, rather than there's, Oh, uh becoming ego less I, I blend with the all and it doesn't seem to be much more you could do uh after that whereas i if if it's an ongoing process um yeah. you, you maintain your individual mind 
uh, ability to make choices and to understand. I, mean, I think that's the difference between the mystic and the esoteric. The mystic is is pretty much wants to go straight straight on, wants to go from Malkuth to Kether, right? You know, or, or at least Tifereth, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And not necessarily want to linger yeah. in the other spheres and get yeah. to know them. Whereas the esotericist tends to want to understand, wants to know, wants to you know. Uh, not necessarily blend and 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 um, lose the ego. I mean, Gebser makes a distinction between being ego free and ego less. So you can be ego free. Okay. That means you don't have. It doesn't mean you don't have an ego, but you're not constrained by it or you're not limited to it. And it's an ego. It's an I that's aware of other and yeah. alterity and all, yeah. all these you know abstractions that we can go on from that and, and those sort of sense rather than blending in and in, into the all in some ways. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an evolutionist or creative evolutionist, um, you know, the sort of Bergson, Shaw, Wilson, uh, Teha de Chardin, you know, uh, yeah. Whitehead, that's, you know, there's, um, although that's one side and the, the sort of esoteric side in a certain sense where rather than as consciousness being somehow emergent out of, uh, whatever the world as it is, uh, as we find it. Maybe in the as the esoteric traditions talk about it, it, it comes from some other dimension and has entered into this realm uh, for some purposes of it. And uh, you know, so you know, I mean, Lavatsky, um, she was asked, you know, why, 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 if the higher realms are you know much more free um, and not constrained by matter, why, why do we find ourselves here? And she said, well, basically, this is the realm in which we can we can accomplish something. This, you, you, you can't sculpt with the cloud that way. So, so you need so, some kind of so, solid, solid, solid spirit needs some kind of resistance to get the best out of it. And again, this goes back to this notion that we, when we're challenged, when we have challenges, we get the best out of ourselves. So, so the big change for me, Gary, I would say, has been a, quite a few actually, as I've got older. <laughs> um, I'm a little tiny bit younger than you. I'm 60, I've just been 64. And the, um, the the one of the big changes which happened uh i guess well probably 15 years ago now it still feels recent and it's been building since is was the rejection of all of that that version and and really just which i which was in a lot of my books i had to sit down mm -hmm. and go i think this is all wrong and eventually becoming much more involved in that that evolutionist current and going mm -hmm. that if there if the the, the possibility of one simple narrative of one thing f uh, of forming of this forms from this this forms from this and then feeling like the, like i said like the the, the when we we're discussing time that rather than this common idea that the time has kind of passed is just gone it, it was going no it hasn't gone anywhere the past is right here it's forming this this is being formed by the past hmm. and everything that has formed is formed and that would include me so suddenly there's a theory of identity which i find it really attractive in its simplicity which is oh i'm meeting everything gary's ever been gary's a relationship between this person and the universe and i'm meeting everything that that relationship has ever ha has happened in that relationship mm -hmm. and and you're meeting everything that's happened in this relationship which means well funnily enough i was looking at uh, the keats line this morning because something someone else had sent me about this being a veil of soul making Hmm. And that resonated. My book, Soul Story, was going to be called Soul Formation, um, but the publishers changed it for whatever reason. Uh, but the the idea being, look, what we're doing here 
every second is forming ourselves. Mm. We've, we, we, and and the, the fact that I am reflective and therefore have some degree of choice means that I'm the bit of the universe that can actually reflectively form myself, whereas up until relatively recently, that wasn't possible. And suddenly it feels like, wow, this is, and then all of those spiritual realms that I've been exploring in my life, as I said, become the, the most emergent level of this process, hmm. which is why they're so special, which is why when you go into them, you just feel like, wow, this is really real. Um, rather than, you know, it's an illusion or it just like, it has a quality to it in my experience, which is just so real. And of course it's all real, but it's the most emergent level hmm. of that unfolding hmm. of realization. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I, I believe that, you know, we actually, with, with human consciousness, uh, is a totally different dimension. The reality has, has come into it as well. Yeah. Um, and again, it sounds, you know, we're the cutting edge, I would say, you know, yeah. I mean, we may individually be dull blades, but we are, we are, we are the cutting edge, uh, because we're, we're, we're that, that point where things are extending into the not yet. I would say, even though with precognition, there is some sense of, you know, this looks like it's going to be happening in that, but, um, you know, no, I, 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 I that's why I, I am, it's not as if, oh, you know, one right and the other's wrong, the evolutionist picture or the, or the um, esoteric sort of picture, and there's not necessarily one picture out, out of all those, all those things too. Um, but, uh, I mean, but even Bergson, you know, Bergson talks about life being some kind of, um, force that's different than matter and it's, it's entered into matter. And it's through that, that you have, you know, the different forms of life and so on. And in his, you know, his last book, uh, two sources of morality and religion, he talks about the universe as a machine for, for making gods in some ways. So yes, there is that, that sort of, um, trajectory. And again, you know, uh, the whole idea that at death it's some end, you know, you you go to heaven or hell, whatever it is, or uh, off, you know, it's it's you're blown away. There's nothing anymore. But perhaps the same sort of struggle goes on um, there, uh, wherever there may be, uh, that that we find ourselves engaged in in here. That would be uh, because, my sense completely. Yeah, because I, I I you know, it's that sense of an ongoing process, something happening. Yeah. That, Maybe it, I mean, people talk about the mysteries of the universe and the black holes, and I think, you know, forget them. The, the most mysterious things in the universe is ourselves. Yeah. We are the strangest possible thing in so far that we know about in any way whatsoever. And that's why we have these questions of like, why, you know, why do we exist and what are we supposed to do now that we're here? And we started out earlier. <laughs> Uh, the very cheerful note, you know, what's, what is it all about? You know, yeah. as far as we know, I'm not, I'm not excluding the possibility of other beings out there in some way, or perhaps a tree does question its own existence, but I, I, I somehow don't, don't think so because we tend to think of nature as being something that, that is, it's, is at one with itself. And it's not, it, it isn't, you know, it doesn't face the human problems we have of, of all these unanswered questions about why do we exist and all that. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I think you have to start with those sorts of questions. It's why I really like the idea that, that, um, when I've looked, I've done a lot with death over my life, um, both personally and kind of professionally in writing and stuff. And one of the things which 
where I've arrived at now, let me put it like that, has been that simplicity of, oh, I'm all, you know, the psyche, obviously you know this, but, you know, the Greek word just means soul. That's a Germanic word for the same thing. It seems to be talking about this thing I'm experiencing now. It's an imaginal realm. And you can go off in it. And if you if you stay with your attention in this, that seems like a in the background. It's just imagining talking mostly. And then um, if you uh, go into it, and it can really take off, can't it? Like in dreams, but also you can do it while awake. Hmm. And, or like I said, on psychedelics or any of that. So the idea now for me of, look, I'm already in that. There's nowhere I'm going to go. Mm. That's just going to open up like it does anyway from time to time. And because I won't have any biological, biological aspect to me, then I won't be able to see things here and I won't be able to hear things. That will just go. But what if that psyche or the soul merely continues? And like, like now, if I give it my attention, it becomes vivid. And if I don't give it my attention, it's not vivid. So if, I, if, if it's the only thing that's got my attention, well, then it'll be more like those experiences where you go in and the dream is so vivid or you, like you said, you have a collective dream. Or, and I look at their near-death experiences, and that's what they look like. And I look at, I wrote a book on the history of people's visions of heaven. And I started looking at that. And, and when I worked on it years ago, it was like very much, oh, these are things that people have imagined and believed and da, 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 reflections of their culture. And, and maybe there's truth to that. But the idea that that might actually be a description of an evolving realm, which starts as shady and not very formed, and then becomes like this life, but either uh, wish-fulfilling or horrible, or but some reflection of it, and then becomes re religious and full of... As, as human beings' psyches develop, and now we're getting the near-death experiences and we get these multicultural, vivid, beautiful experiences. Uh, with with co common threads, but also very individual, reflecting their a particular psyche, and suddenly I feels like, well, look, that 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 can make sense of this experience, and doesn't divorce us from this other realm, like it's somewhere else. It's like, well, no, it's where it's where the it's where the one process has got us to, and we're in it. Like you said, that's why we're the leading edge, isn't it? Because we're in that. Mm. That's mm. where this whole conversation, apart from me, who has to throw his hands around for some reason, we, our bodies have just sort of sat here quite happily, and we've spent our whole time in that realm. Well, That's I've trained myself not to move my hands because I tend to hit the microphone. Oh, well done. I'm terrible. Mine just fly everywhere. No, I, I tend to be more like that myself. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm always, uh, well, curious about the different reports of, uh, well, there's near-death experiences. I, I gave a talk recently about Jung and his uh, relationship with the dead. And um, mm. I started out with his own near-death experience he had um, mm. about 1944 uh, when he had slipped and um, broken his leg. And then while he was in the hospital, he had uh, had a heart attack. And, um, you know, he, he it's very much along the lines of, you know, what, um, what, what, what we hear about them now. But then also, you know, um, his... Previous experiences, strange experiences, when um, after his breakup with Freud, um, all the visions he had and waking dreams and and um, all of that that uh, he recorded in the Red Book, and uh, so he's talking about and he, he uses a phrase that I I tend to think is is um, more helpful than collective unconscious. So he doesn't use it as often. He calls it the objective psyche. 
I love that. And, and the sense that basically there are things in the mind that have nothing to do with you personally. Yeah, I love that. You, you, you just happen to be, you know, you, 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 we are the outskirts. Individually, we're sort of the outskirts of this inner realm. And it's kind of like this is the, the you know, we, we live at the end of the street. And uh, we tend to only spend a little bit of time on that on that little, you know, area, that patch uh, of town. But if we can train ourselves to sort of turn around and go inward, we discover, oh, my God, you know, this leads into a place where, yes, there's all these memories of my life and all that, but there's all this stuff that doesn't have anything to do with me personally. But it, it, it's, I mean, it's we look at an we... objective realm in its own way. And so how, and so Steiner, then Steiner reads the Akashic record or Swedenborg yeah. gets taken to heaven and hell by the angels uh, and so on. And there's different visionaries of different sorts of things. And they all seem to be different. And this is why, you know, skeptics can say, well, it's all subjective. But I tend to think of it as like, well, Remember, if we go back to the early explorers of the New World, you know, some of them landed in Nova Scotia, and some of them landed in the Bahamas, right? It's the New World, but it's very, very di different places. You know, the terrain is very different, the inhabitants are different, and all that sort of thing. So, could very well be in some way, even though the reports differ between Steiner and Jung and Swedenborg. They, and as you're saying, it's it's a mixture of sort of personal and a kind of impersonal. Um, sort of yeah. realm. Yeah. Um, imaginal, like this conversation. Yes, 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 this conversation yes, yes, has yeah, an objective yeah. quality because we're yes, sharing it. Yes, but yes. it's still, but you're speaking from your experience and I'm speaking, and, and yes. but yes. we're meeting. I had, funnily enough, I had a, I had, I was recording a, um, exploring these ideas on death for um, a presentation. Mm. And the image that came up for me, not dissimilar to the one you just mentioned, mm. was imagining uh, the Middle Ages and somehow people had made it to um, Australia and managed to make it back to Europe going, look, there's another land on the other side of the world. And people going, don't be ridiculous. That's impossible. And as more and more people came back going, no, there is a land on the other side of the world. Mm. It was, well, it can't be the world's flat. And if you were on the other side, you'd fall off. And, and until somebody goes, oh, maybe it's not flat. And once you've made that change, it's like, oh, there isn't land on the other side of the world. It's perfectly understandable. And, and that the same with things like the near -the experience, whereas, whereas my take on it is, although we've have so many reports now, it's dismissed because it's people on the other side of the world would fall off. It's impossible. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Rather than if you shift your ontology, if you see it, if you see, if you see what it is in a different light, then the fact that it's imaginal and that it will be colored by the person's unique experience their soul their objective experience and then the other thing which which occurred to me was was thinking about the evolution of life and how we take we look at life and it's formed an ecology and we get that it's an ecosystem but for individual life forms that were first developing they must have known very little about that because they had no senses to speak of. And it was going to take a long time before we could look around and go, Oh, look, there's a whole ecosystem that I'm part of. And, and, and it feels a bit like that with the psyche sometimes to me, it's like, we're still developing that faculty to go, Oh, I'm part of a whole ecosystem. And then when you think about the, the experiences you are describing of the group, connection or seeing the future, all of that is when you suddenly go, Oh, there's something, objective that i'm in touch with here or intersubjective mm. at least mm. Mm. which mm. you can become better at connecting with well i think that's that's uh, exactly it you know um that's what we have we at, le at least that's the terrain we still have and it's still ours this interior world the way things are going in many ways 
<laughs> there may be ways where they can monetize that in the future in some way. So I hope that's not the case. But uh, no, we can still explore that that interior realm. You know, and it's the inner space. Um, like I said earlier, I'm 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 most likely never going to set foot on another planet, but I can I can explore this this inner inner space that's there, and uh, it just takes. In one sense, it's very easy, but it's difficult because we we're, we don't have the habit of doing it, or perhaps you know you do, other people who have been interested in this stuff for for many many years. But just just to take the average person, as you know, as you say, we tend to have our consciousness focused on the outer world all the time. We have to deal with things, and um, when we have those moments, those so, sort of breathers, um, we may have a sudden feeling of oh, I don't, I don't know, I, I suddenly feel a bit different than I feel most of the time, or somehow that flower looks different than, um, isn't that beautiful or something like that. And that, that, that's the time. And if we had the knowledge and, and, and the motivation to do it, we would be able to go deeper and, and, and explore it. So I get you people who pursue meditation do that, but I, I think these, these moments open up to us all the time as it is already. They're, they're part of, like I said before, we have, we have the sort of, uh, there's the, the clenched fist, which is the self-assertive, and you know I'm going to maintain myself against all the forces around me that want, want to you know absorb me. And then there's the ah, that where you open up and you feel ah, you're you're porous and you want you wanted to come to come in, and uh, we're, we're like that most of the time. And different meditative you know practices and other sort of spiritual practices teach us how 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 to do that without completely just sort of slipping into just you know falling asleep or 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 it's it's maintaining an, an alertness at the same time you have that that open yeah. that yeah. openness uh but i think those sort of moments come to us more often than than we think we just yeah. most of us just aren't aware that that's what's happening when 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 they when they take place yeah it's also why i think a really deep narrative of life is so important because when you have that and those moments happen you're more likely to notice them mm. because you have a you have a story in which they make sense rather than oh what was that exactly exactly yeah no well i think we all we all have to have some kind of story uh going on and um um that when 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 you don't have it that's when it all becomes kind of flat and stale and unprofitable and um and and so on and um that's when you have a real existential crisis you know in the sense that you you you've life has failed um but um I mean that just what we just that exchange is a sort of story. Okay, yes, uh, that kind of imagery, you know. So yeah. I, 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 I can tell myself, and I know. Oh, oh, just like the other day, I took the bike out. Uh, it was a, a lovely day, and I cycled through Regent's Park, and the flowers were out in bloom, and I hadn't seen them in a while, and I was just completely struck by the colors. And I just had to stop it and look, and there was some patch. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a botanist. I don't know the names of the flowers but there was some contrast between an incredibly bright pink and a very rich luscious yellow and i just found myself staring at it and i know for me when the, and i i see those colors it's like christmas lights when i was a kid comes back yeah. or old comic books when i was a kid i mean i grew up in in the 60s and it's called the silver age at least in the states of comics and they had these fantastically bright covers and colors all the time and it's a pristine experience, you know, for me. It's a, 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 when that color, and I can even taste it. It's 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 like it's so it's like it's a richness that is there all the time. But most of the time, we don't, you know, we're not open and relaxed enough to to let it get in. 
<sighs> well, Gary, I think, thank we covered, I think we covered a lot of ground, Tim. We have. It was very <laughs> nice to, to do that with you, I think is yeah, what I want to say. Yeah. And the just, yeah. ah, yes, hello. I was going to ask you, you said you, you, you're doing a spiritual retreat? Or, yes, uh, doing coming it up? this weekend, yeah. Yeah, so what, 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 what's involved in that? Um, so I mean, is it something you're, you're running, you're, you're leading it? Yeah. Or it's, yeah. Oh, right, right, yeah. So I've been doing these deep awakening things for a long time all over the world. And, and I don't do them so much now because my focus is on, on uh, uh, developing the ideas. But I still love to do them because it's, that's mm. what it's really about. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a philosopher. I'm a love junkie. That's the truth. And <laughs> uh, so it's a process which uh, is experiential. And it leads people through various uh, activities that we can do together, meditations and connections, to what will happen on the second evening, which yeah. is um, a gazing circle, um, which I've been developing, like I said, for 20 years, I suppose, in which you, you'll find yourself in front of somebody. I, I create a beautiful environment because beauty does is magical and i play beautiful music because that's magical and i get everyone very relaxed into just being themselves without any spiritual you know all of that stuff just like just being themselves and then you say hey look just look at this other person and for some reason i, I don't know why it is i get such a cross-section of people because of all the different types of things i've written probably so there's no type and and it's really interesting and or age and it's like oh so you don't know who you're going to be sitting with and then just go look for three minutes, music will play and just look and you see someone's face and that's beautiful. And then realize that you're connecting actually with something you can't see, which is mm. another soul and just sit with that. And then if you, if you, if you pay close attention, you may have this moment where suddenly there's one of you looking at itself and you just, mm. and then when you've done that with one person, you move around and there's another one. And then you do that. And then when you've done it with that person, you move around and there's another one. And from the initial, if people are new to it, sometimes they're a bit uncomfortable, but have you got them relaxed by the time we've been into it? But by the third or fourth person, you're just like, woof. Mm. It's like it, their love is, you're walking, the, the love in the room is like thick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, whoa, where did this come from? And, and it's the, the best way I found to take people from that, as you put it, to mm. this, mm. but together. And, and so there's mm. such a profound sense of, love and connection and, and unity and uh ecstasy i would say joy um and that's the that's it, it was having those experiences when i was young my first one was when i was a kid and mm -hmm. then retouching it and retouching it that's why i've ended up doing all the things i've done it's because of mm -hmm. that experience and my biggest mm -hmm. aspiration has always been to share it with people and i thought i'd never ever be able to do that and then it, i just kind of found that i could Oh wow! And now I do. <laughs> well, fantastic! Wow, that's fantastic! Wow, yeah. it's a real privilege. I'll, I'll I'll have to come on one one of these days. Please Sounds do, good. please do. I'll 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 send you some info. It'd be great. Yeah, let me know. All right, I will. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it's been great talking. This is I just my God, I haven't had a conversation like this. Certainly not at this time of day. <laughs> Not without like half a bottle of wine. So it's uh, no, it's fantastic. Uh, great, thanks for inviting me. I, uh, it's really been a real pleasure it. to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's um, let's keep in touch. Yeah. Let's. All do right. It. All right. Take care. All right. Cheers. Take bye care. bye now. Bye bye. -bye.